Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. <laughs> You know, Donald Trump really is something. He's hilarious, he's substantive, and he's very solid on most of our issues, in my opinion. And he's doing a great job for the country. Imagine what he'd be doing but for the left trying to destroy him. Democrats, the media, you know. The uh, White House contacted us the other day and said the president would like to talk to me, like to do an interview on radio. We very much, of course, were interested in doing that. Late yesterday, we did exactly that, and we're going to play that for you in our second hour, our 7 p.m. hour, start at the top of the hour. If you'll stick with us, you'll get to hear that. He was terrific, and uh, we spoke to him over 20 minutes. And um, by the way, folks, you notice how phrases that we use here wind up in the body politic Silent Coup. Silent Coup was the name of a book many, many years ago. But as you know, and I'm not going to play it again and bore you, right after the election, the day after the election, because I went off that night and told you that night, this looks pretty good for the president. We saw what was happening in Pennsylvania. We saw what was happening in some of these other states. I told you what I felt was going to happen. They would try to impeach him and indict him because they were so angry. And they had said things like that even before the election. That is, election day. And over time, it was obvious to me with this collusion stuff, and then leading up to the appointment of the special counsel, that they wanted to knock him off, politically, knock him off. And so I said, I've got to come up with a phrase that's going to draw the attention of the American people. Silent coup. Silent coup. Silent meaning, you know, not a violent coup, but a coup nonetheless. It's picked up by a couple of other national hosts, picked up by others, and so on. This is typically how it works. That's okay. The president is saying repeatedly now, and he's correct, that this was a coup effort. After the 60 Minutes interview... With McCabe, I don't know how anybody can deny that. They were plotting against the President of the United States. And now the the evidence is overwhelming. And they're still doing it. They're still doing it. They, they flirted with the 25th Amendment. That won't work. They don't even understand the 25th Amendment. It's actually harder to remove a President under the 25th Amendment than impeachment. They pushed hard on the special counsel. They got their special counsel with no criminal predicate whatsoever in violation of Department of Justice regulations. 
he comes up empty. Despite all the phony legal analysts, former judges, and all the rest on TV. Their comedy of errors should make it abundantly clear they're unqualified to be on TV telling you anything. And so we had this years and years of collusion, years and years of obstruction, no collusion, no obstruction, no obstruction as a matter of law or fact. That's why there were no charges. That's why Mr. Mueller didn't even ask the attorney general if he could bring obstruction charges against the president of the United States. He had no intention of doing it. Instead, they bleed out into volume two of the report in order to feed the the likes of the ilk like Nadler and the rest in the media because they know how to manipulate the media. Silent coup. And it's still going on. It's still going on. Now, we're going to circle back to that in a minute because we actually have a member of Congress from one of the wealthiest districts in the country, a government district, Fairfax County. His name is Gerald Connolly. Also one of the dumbest members of Congress, but that's that's a big group. Saying that if these officials, former officials, private sector individuals don't testify, they could go to jail. So now they want to imprison people. Now they want to imprison people. But we'll get to that in a minute. This Joe Biden looks totally washed out. He looks exhausted. He has no color in his skin. And I'm not saying that from a racial point of view. He, lo- he, looks, he looks pasty. He, look, he, looks, he looks ill to me. Looks like he had an eye job, maybe two. But here's a piece in the Daily Mail. Biden joined a field of 19 other Democrat candidates on Thursday. Okay, fine enough. He claimed in a call to donors he'd been asked to run by other world leaders. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's read on. Joe Biden claims world leaders begged him to save the world from Donald Trump as he entered the race for the White House yesterday. The former vice president made the claims in a call to campaign donors yesterday as he announced he was joining the field of 20 Democrats vying for the presidency. I get calls from people all over the world. World leaders are calling. By the way, he's a serial liar, Biden, so who knows? But let me go on. World leaders are calling me, and they're almost begging me to do this, to save the country, save the world, Biden said, according to Politico. Biden had been frantically garnering support from donors with flights around the U.S. because of his late entry in the race. But the former VP, who has twice failed in attempts to become president in 1988 and 2008, is said to have support from several figures in Europe, after they praised him during the Munich Security Conference in February. So I got to thinking, Mr. Producer. Isn't this collusion? Exactly which, quote-unquote, world leaders lobbied Biden to run? Which ones? Now, we know Xi of China... He doesn't much like Trump. I don't mean personally. He doesn't like Trump's policies. Trump's really taken it to him on the economy, on the military and so forth. Holding his feet to the fire. We know Vlad Putin, despite the media's best efforts, is no fan of the president's. The president has done more in response to Vladimir Putin than Obama had ever done. In fact, Obama was capitulating to Putin. 
So which world leaders exactly were lobbying Joe Biden to run against the president of the United States? Who were they? Is there not collusion? Regardless of the world leaders, whomever they are. Now, Mark, you're making a flip comment. Nobody really cares. Isn't that the point? Isn't that the point? These Democrat presidents are always in the back pocket of somebody. Always. They're always playing footsie with dictators and, and their ilk. They're always creating policies, quite frankly, that weaken our country. That's why they used to trash Reagan, even Nixon, and so forth. So the question is, exactly which world leaders were lobbying Joe Biden to run for president of our United States? Which ones? I'd like to have a list, wouldn't you? And we need to keep an eye on old Joe, because if he becomes the nominee, we need to see if there's collusion and if we need a special counsel from the get-go. Maybe we'll start talking about impeachment and indictment if he gets the nomination from the Democrat Party. Now, what's my point in that respect? Let me explain something to you leftists out there in and out of the media. You've opened Pandora's box. You've opened Pandora's box. You are normalizing impeachment. What about Clinton? Clinton broke the law. What do you mean, what about Clinton? Clinton broke the law. Prosecutors were going to prosecute him. Not the case with Trump. And Clinton conceded on the issue of contempt and lost his law license. So my question, or my point is, you left us in and out of the media, you've now opened Pandora's box. We can start talking about impeachment and indictment and special counsels even before... The general election, because you set the standard. Chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, chairman of the House Government Oversight and Reform Committee, chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, chairman of the Financial Services Committee. They're going to take your subpoenas, change the names, and then issue them against you. That's the Pandora's box you open. And by the way, you federal judges out there. You Supreme Court justices, let me tell you a little secret. You better be paying attention. Because if members of Congress have the quote-unquote constitutional authority under Article 1 to get the tax returns and bank account information of public officials in the other two branches, you're next. You saw what they did to Kavanaugh. You're next. Your tax returns. Your financial information. The financial information and tax returns of your family members, your kids, your grandkids. All on the table. All on the table. That's the problem when you have a tyrannical, rogue, Democrat party running any branch of the federal government. So Jerry Connolly was on CNN not once, but twice. They so enjoyed this crackpot and his provocative comments that he was on yesterday and they brought him back today. Wait till you hear what this clown had to say. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
Have you ever wished you knew more about how politics and our Constitution work? Could you explain the key differences between capitalism and socialism? Wish you knew more about American history? Well, I have good news for you. It's not too late to learn no matter how busy you are or how long it's been since you've been in college or high school. And you can do it for free. Because my friends at Hillsdale College, as a service to our country, have free online courses that provide a taste of the core curriculum that every Hillsdale College student takes. The core that teaches us how to think critically and act virtuously. And it can help you, too. Getting started is very simple. Just sign up for one or more of Hillsdale's most popular online courses for free. And you can learn whenever you like. Visit online.hillsdale.edu right now. That's online.hillsdale.edu. Join right now and you'll be on your way to a rich, meaningful education. Again, that's online.hillsdale.edu. the United States at the top of the next hour. Now, you might say, well, Mark, you know, he's been on this show, that show. No, it's different with me. It's different. I think you're going to enjoy it a lot. Not you on the left. I don't, you know, I talk to my audience. You know, my audience, my extended family. People on the left, they're kind of in the bleachers, you know, with their spitballs and their marijuana. It doesn't matter that much. I'm sure you're going to be proud, Fairfax, Virginia. Representative Jerry Connolly on CNN yesterday wanting to put people in jail. Cut three. Go. The White House fights these subpoenas, which certainly seems to be what the game they plan to to play. Now, there's a reporter for you. Anderson Cooper. That's a game. You see separation of powers protecting the prerogatives of the office of the presidency. That's a game to CNN. It's why CNN in 10 years won't even exist. Unless it's the Stormy Daniels porn channel. Go ahead. Fight everything as long as you can. Try to run out the clock on them. I mean, the reality is they're only valid until 2021 when a new Congress is seated. That's right. I'm a strict constructionist in this matter. Hey, listen, I'm not a strict constructionist. No, he's not. He's a left-wing kook. No, you understand. In this matter, I'm a strict constructionist. See, he sat down with the uh, teenagers that make up his congressional staff, for whom you pay. And they said, I have an idea. Let's... Do what we always do. Let's twist the words like good propagandists. Now, you know we're left-wing kooks, but let's pretend we're strict constructionists. Yes, strict constructionists. Go ahead. Co-equal branch of government. Uh, we, are, we have immense powers at our disposal, both real ones that we exercise currently and latent ones that we could. Oh, latent powers. Wow, let's listen to the constitutional scholar, Terry, Terry Connolly. Go ahead. And I believe anyone who defies a legitimately issued subpoena by the Congress of the United States puts himself or herself in enormous legal peril. Uh, And that can include fines, contempt of Congress, uh, uh, civil. uh, Hold on, hold on, hold on. So in other words, if you dare to challenge as a constitutional matter what these rogue chairmen of these committees from San Francisco, New York, Baltimore, and New York in Los Angeles, I mean, are, are doing, we're going to put you in prison. We're going to bankrupt you. Now, you hear this guy? Now, he wasn't upset about Eric Holder being held in contempt. No, no, no. no we are, Eric Holder, I'm a strict constructionist. So it only applies to Republicans. Go ahead. A pursuit in courts of law and, and possible incarceration. Uh, but I think it's a very unwise thing to cooperate with a, an across-the-board defiance of 
constitutionally, legally issued subpoenas by the Congress. And there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. The Joseph story of our time. More like the Professor Erwin Corey of our time. Go ahead. You could see a scenario if somebody is refusing to uh, respond to a subpoena of actually trying to put them in jail. Sure, yes. Yes, of course. Of course. Well, we, new sheriffs in town here, we the Democrats. New sheriffs in town. We got our Soviet system in place here. We want everybody's records. We want everybody's telephonic records. We want their email or texts. We want their tax returns, their bank accounts. We want their kids' information. We want everything. Go ahead. I believe that that is... Uh, that Shut is up, you idiot. You phony. You, you, uh... You tyrannical buffoon. Yeah, yeah, I, I believe, uh, yeah, we're gonna, uh, we're, we're gonna ruin them. Uh, they, they don't, they don't buckle to what we say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm gonna ruin them. I bet this guy's got all kinds of skeletons in his closet. He looks like, well, he looks like he does. Probably when it's raining outside, he's wearing a raincoat standing on the corner. But the guys you gotta watch out for, ladies and gentlemen, are the ones that are standing on the corner wearing a raincoat when it's not raining. You know what I mean, Mr. Producer? Yes. All you people in Fairfax, you better watch out. We're going to put them in prison. We're going to put them in... Wait, wait till you see what we're going to do. Oh, yeah, yeah. But meanwhile, Trump's the dictator. The Democrats can't help it, ladies and gentlemen. They use the IRS. They use the FBI. They abuse law enforcement. They abuse our intelligence agencies. This is what they do. They abuse freedom of the press by destroying freedom of the press. Demagogues and propagandists. But he was so compelling, so important that CNN brings him back today. And let me tell you something. This is part of what the media do. They can speak through jackasses like this. Oh, get, get that Jerry Connolly. Who? Jerry Connolly. I don't know. Who's Jerry Connolly? Oh, the guy that wants to put people in prison? If they don't agree with Congress's interpretation of separation of power? Oh, that guy? Yeah. Okay, let's get him. Now, nobody ever heard of Jerry Connolly outside of Fairfax, Virginia. All of a sudden... He's the Adam Schiff of the last 48 hours. Yes. Yes, and that's what we're going to. We're going to. We're going to. Legal peril. We're going to include fines, contempt of Congress, civil pursuit in the courts, incarceration. We'll be right back. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty, with more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. 
Mark Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. Now, uh, we're not done with Connolly. Because when we have these tyrants in our midst, you need to be aware of them. They go on these left-wing media platforms to really show how how wonderful they are. And uh, when they do that, they expose themselves for the tyrants that they are. So we'll circle back to Terry Connolly in just a little while. Wanted to give you an update about the Reagan Library. The Reagan Library sold out the main auditorium in 9 minutes and 30 seconds. The Reagan Library sold out the uh, overflow rooms. Uh, they expanded the overflow rooms. Those sold out, and there's uh, several hundred people on their waiting list. Now, you should still get on that waiting list. You never know. And, of course, we'll be doing the book signings. Go ahead and take a look at uh, marklevinshow.com. Right, Mr. Producer? That's the main website. And you will see on that homepage uh, the other book signings that are going to take place. May I make a friendly suggestion? Try and come early. Now, I know one of them is on a holiday weekend, two, two book signings, a book ends and book review, New Jersey and New York. But I would suggest you try to come early. And same with uh, Barnes & Noble which is on June 1st, uh, that Saturday at 10 a.m. in the morning. This is a very, very important book on freedom of the press. You've never heard me talk like this before. This is a very, very important book. We have an institution that's created by our Constitution. It's not really created by the Constitution. It is, it is protected by the Constitution, freedom of press. That really has not been substantially scrutinized. I don't mean at a surface level or superficially. I mean at a serious level, substantially scrutinized. This will be the first book, at least in in modern times, that does exactly that. It's one institution that for some reason, with all its power and all its force, hasn't been examined the way it ought to be examined. And we're going to do that together with this book, Unfreedom of the Press. And the title is perfect. My wife came up with it. And I was reading it this morning. He said, well, Mark, you wrote it. No, but I, I don't get to sit down and read it the way I want to read it. Because, you know, you're always editing and changing and adding. That's all over now. And literally in an hour and a half, I read about 95 pages. And I called my wife. I said, this really flows beautifully. And the kind of information that's in it is so crucial and so And she's read it. She said, it reads like a novel. And it really does. It's not a novel, but it reads like a novel. That's how it flows. And there are things in here that are going to shock your system. There are things in here where you're going to nod your head. There are things in here where you're going to shake your head no in disbelief. Very, very important. Very important. So uh, you can go to Amazon.com right now, too, and you can order it if you like. It's 40% off. Today is Friday. It's perfect time to do it. And while I'm out there talking about these things, please don't forget Life, Liberty, and Levin, 10 p.m. Sunday night, Eastern Time. Tremendous interview with Ken Cuccinelli, the former Attorney General of Virginia, one of the star lawyers and litigators in the conservative movement as we talk about what's taken place over the last several weeks and as well as these subpoenas and so forth. I know you're going to find the show very compelling. 
as I feel all of our shows are. I feel all of our shows are. One of the reasons, just a little backstory here and there, I like to tell them to you, people ask me. One of the reasons this program airs on terrestrial radio, that's what we call radio when you turn on your radio, terrestrial radio, AM and FM radio, and on satellite radio, and on our various apps, Mark Levin app, iHeart app, and a podcast. And of course, streaming on your computer and so forth. One of the reasons that I decided that we should use all available platforms to broadcast is to make sure we can reach as many patriotic Americans as possible. We are honored to have our spectacular lineup of affiliates. We are honored to be on XM, Sirius XM Satellite. We are honored to be on iHeart, on their app. Of course, we have our own, the Mark Levin app, and on streaming. And we treat all of our platforms with respect. We take time out every day to support each and every one of them. My purpose here behind this microphone is to talk to you, the greatest audience of audiences. Not to make it hard for you to reach me, but for to make it as easy as possible for you to find a listening platform that you'll use. That's why this program has taken off at the worst time of the day for radio. That's the truth. Not for TV. 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time is prime time. That's right down the middle of the plate. But not for radio. Because you have baseball, you have hockey playoffs, you've got, you know, the, the football. You've got all kinds of stuff going on. So I have to make it as easy as possible for you to find me. Because I want to find you. And that's the model we use here. I think it's very, very important to spread the message of liberty wherever we can. If there are 10 more platforms someday, then we'll be on 10 more platforms. That's the way I look at it. To reach as many people as humanly possible. Because the goal is what? To save the republic. To advance constitutional republicanism. To educate as many people as we possibly can, despite the massive Praetorian Guard aligned against us. So that your children and grandchildren will have a free and prosperous future. That's why I'm here. I don't need to be here anymore. But I'm here. That's why. I didn't start out in radio. I didn't start out in TV. I started out in a totally different profession. And as a young man, I was attracted to the Reagan candidacy in 76 and 80. Spent eight years of my life working in that administration. Became a uh, president of a very, very important legal foundation, the Landmark Legal Foundation, which is still very, very important. It's a crucial organization. This is who I am. This is who I am. Including the book writing. Including the book writing. Some people read. They don't listen to a lot of radio or watch a lot of TV. Some people listen to radio, they don't read, and they don't watch TV. Some people watch TV, they don't listen to radio, they don't read books. That's the goal. That's why I work 20 hours a day. 20 hours a day. 
to do everything possible. Because one day I won't be able to do it. And I got to make sure that while I have the energy and the capacity to do it, I do it. And everybody else is driven by other things, of course. I, I listen to somebody like Jerry Connolly, and my blood boils. This man is anti-American. This man is undermining the country. This man has no sense for what he's saying and where he would drag this country. And unfortunately, there's too many people like this. So I call them out by name. Now, he was so outrageous, he was so provocative, he was so autocratic yesterday on CNN that CNN brought him back today so he could repeat himself. Cut four, go. Do you foresee jail time? At what point does it come to that? And, and how do you do that when normally when someone is held in contempt of Congress? The backstop is the Department of Justice, which you just pointed out is led by Attorney General Bill Barr, who you would not expect to be in your corner. Now, keep in mind, these are people who have legitimate gripes with these subpoenas. These subpoenas are over the top. They are over the top. They are intended to destroy people. Congress does not have that authority. To destroy people. Congress has to have a constitutional basis for what it's doing. It does not. And I don't care what any damn court or Supreme Court justice says. They do not have constitutional authority for this. You want to duke it out in the media? You duke it out in the media. You want to duke it out political party to political party? You do that. You want to use free speech to duke it out? Duke it out. You don't get to use the power that the framers gave the Congress of the United States to crush people. Because you can. The point is, you can't. So these people who are defying these subpoenas, they are not worthy of Jerry Nadler, uh, Jerry uh, O'Connor, O'Connolly, whatever the hell the idiot's name is. These are patriots. They should be celebrated. They're standing up to this, to these authoritarians. Go ahead. I don't expect him to play fair or be a neutral arbiter. Um, I, I don't threaten anybody. Now, it, it amazes me that left-wing hack Democrats who get elected to Congress get to say who neutral arbitrators are and are not. I don't expect him to be a neutral arbitrator. Unlike me, of course, Jerry, uh, Jerry O'Connolly. I'm a, I'm a neutral arbitrator. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I am. Go ahead. Out. Congress has immense powers. And if you want to go to war with Congress, you do so at your own peril. How do you do it well, without the DOJ? First of all, there is the issue of subpoenas. Uh, then there is contempt of Congress citations. Then there is going to court to insist on the enforcement of subpoenas. By the way, if you violate a court order, now you're in criminal contempt. Look, of look court. where he's going. Did anybody say they're going to violate a court order? They can still appeal a district court ruling to the appellate court, and then they can appeal it from there to the United States Supreme Court. You know, uh, you know, Connolly, the people you are trying to destroy and the people you are targeting, you and the other mobsters in your party, they have rights, too, in this country. Constitutional rights. Due process rights. You don't get to just throw them in prison. What do you have, a prison? Get a prison in the basement of the House of Representatives? What are you, you going to do? Lock them in the cafeteria? That Nadler boy, 
He used to be locked in the in the cafeteria. Remember him, Mr. Producer? When he was built like Montana? Then he had that special operation. I forget what the band or whatever it's called. Anyway, go ahead. To jail for that, and that's what I was talking about. Incarceration can be in your future, either through the court system or in. The All right, ex- you, you see how he's weaseling now. CNN, you are disgusting. You're, you're a pathetic joke. You take one of the dumbest members of the House of Representatives, and you prop him up. He's sort of the uh, Avenatti of the House of Representatives, if you will. You're you're an embarrassment when the historians write about the media. But we don't need the historians to write about the media. I just did. And boy, CNN, you're getting your comeuppance, I can tell you that. Not because I'm a conservative, but because you're so pathetic. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, many of our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But sadly, many have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse and instead peddle their moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, there's Hillsdale College. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. And as Hillsdale enters its 175th year, their goal is simple and yet profound, to help students understand what is noblest and best in yourself and the world. Hillsdale College's liberal arts education and vibrant campus community help students form a foundation for the rest of their lives, a truly life-defining experience. So if you're looking for a college that prizes learning and values intellectual enthusiasm, where everyone shares a strong sense of meaning and purpose, welcome to Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu slash admissions to plan a visit and learn more. That's hillsdale.edu slash admissions. Approximately 10 minutes, give or take. We will be playing my interview with the President of the United States. More like his interview of, 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 of uh, his comments about his own agenda and so forth, because I let him speak. I try not to interrupt. And I try to do that on Life, Liberty, and Levin, too. That is, you're going to invite somebody who's really smart or they have a compelling story, and so let them talk. Unlike uh, Jerry Connolly. Dale, Colorado Springs, Colorado, the great KVOR. Go. Well, hello, Mark. I just wanted to say there are no finer examples of courage than President Trump and Sarah Sanders and Candace Owens. The Trump family, I mean, they strike confidently into the pit of hell that Washington, D.C. has become. (laughs) Day in, day out, families by their side. And I just want to say I am honored and humbled that such people as these would deign to work for me. Now, that's a good way to put it. And I'll tell you what, I am increasingly impressed, and I'm already impressed, with Candace Owens. And there's others, too, but she never fails. tell you, the Republican Party doesn't deserve them. (laughs) These people are so wonderful. All right, my friend. And they've been running into opposition. What's that? I didn't hear that. I said they've been running into opposition oh, on well, both of course. sides of the aisle, and I am so sick of it. All right, my friend. Tom, Columbia, Maryland, on the Mark Levin app. Quickly, go. Yes, sir. I just had a question for you. Um, yes. What would you think about 
taking the weaponization of the subpoena process from these committees away by amending the Constitution to make uh, the... Two two quick things. We're running out of time. First of all, the Constitution, if we're going to amend it, we shouldn't amend it with that. Uh, And I don't think that would happen anyway. Number two, I'm not against them using a subpoena power. I'm against them abusing it. And what that involves is sending the wrong people to Congress. And I just hope all these Democrats who won in Republican districts, particularly all around Orange County and San Diego and California, among other places, they need to understand they're going to be one-termers. One-termers. Because the American people, I'm really convinced of this, have had enough of this crap. That's why CNN has no ratings. That's why MSNBC is a joke. I'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811 on this beautiful Friday evening. My interview with the President of the United States from yesterday. Let's get started. Go. Mr. President, how are you, sir? I'm very good. Thank you very much, Mark. Well, you know, this Mueller report comes out, and rather than celebration in Congress and celebration in the media that they were wrong all this time, uh, now they're looking for other ways to try and burden you and trip you up. And uh, they've moved to obstruction. I actually see some of these uh, so-called legal analysts on TV who don't know what they're talking about, talking about obstruction. They're talking about impeachment. This, this, I mean, impeachment, subpoenas, investigations. You appear to have upset these people. Well, you know, the country is doing fantastically well, and they can't get over it. Uh, the economy is as good as it can be. Uh, numbers have been fantastic. Uh, we're, we're just doing great. You look at the unemployment numbers, the best in 51 years. For individual groups like uh, African-American, Asians, Hispanics, the best they've ever been, historic numbers. And I don't know, they're having a hard time with it. Uh, regulation cuts, tax cuts, tremendous tax cuts, biggest uh, that we've ever had, bigger than a man that you admire, Ronald Reagan, bigger than his cuts. Anwar was approved in that one. Individual mandate, we got rid of it. The Obamacare disaster. And a lot of things, and they're having a hard time with it. It's When the Mueller, when the Mueller witch hunt ended and the report came out, uh, I thought people would say, well, that's the end of that. And instead they say, well, let me see it. They analyze 400. Now, when it came to analyzing the Russian stuff, there was nothing they could even analyze. There was nothing. That's put away. I mean, to even think about so ridiculous. But then they talk about obstruction and have a clean bill of health on obstruction. No, absolutely nothing done. But they, they'll do whatever they can to try and sully a reputation so they can win an election in 17, 18 months. Hard to believe it's coming up again, Mark. Oh, boy. Now, Mr. President, here's something that amazes me. Mr. Mueller asked repeatedly to expand his investigation, and the Deputy Attorney General did so. But he never asked to expand his investigation of the Hillary campaign, the DNC, the Mm. FISA court applications, any of the dossier. Why do you think that is? 
Well, to the best of my knowledge, there's not a word in there about the Comey leaks and the Comey lies, and there's not a word in there about McCabe and Strzok and his lover, Lisa Page. There's not a word in there about all of the dishonesty, the $33,000, 33,000 emails from Hillary Clinton. And don't forget the 600,000 text messages from that went through the server of, uh, of Wiener, of Wiener. That's a beauty. <laughs> not a word in there about any of this, this corruption. Now, that's pure corruption, but not a word in there of the other side. But uh, it's, it's rather incredible. Rather incredible, very disappointing. But we have a great attorney general, and we'll see how that all comes out in the end. But uh, it is uh, really incredible that you can do a report and not even mention the other side. You look at the, the fake dossier, turned out to be a total fake. Even the New York Times, I couldn't believe it, Mark. The New York Times the other day uh, talked about the, the fake dossier in very unglowing terms. I couldn't believe it, actually. But uh, they do something like that, no mention of it. They do all of this dishonest stuff, the Pfizer reports, uh, no mention of it. It's a disgrace. You know, Mr. President, one more aspect of this, and I'd like to move on. The, uh, these subpoenas, I, I wonder if the American people understand you're protecting the office of the presidency mm -hmm. and the executive branch and separation of powers, that Congress doesn't have the right to demand all these records from you, from Supreme Court justices, from other federal officials and so forth. They, they, they legislate, and this has nothing to do with legislating. Well, you know, I could have uh, not let anyone speak during the Mueller report, including lawyers and everybody that works at the White House and executive privilege. They call it some people say presidential privilege, which is at a very high level. I could have said, nope, presidential privilege. But I said, I have nothing to hide. You know that. You know me well. And mm -hmm. I'm not into the world of, gee, I'm going to Georgia. Let me call Russia for some help. OK, so ridiculous, mm -hmm. the whole thing. Although, if you look, Hillary Clinton and the DNC and the Democrats were dealing with Russia, which is very interesting. And President Obama knew all about Russia in September, just before the election, and didn't do a thing about it because he thought that Hillary Clinton was going to win. So he didn't do a thing about it. He only got upset about it after the results were very conclusive, 306 to 223. So, uh, you know, you look at what's going on, but I could have exerted i could have taken a presidential privilege uh, for the for everybody but didn't i read where they had 500 witnesses 500 mm -hmm. spent 35 million dollars had angry democrats angry these were angry people these were really people that did not like donald trump and you know Mueller didn't like donald trump and he had conflicts all over the place. And with all of that, no collusion. Mm -hmm. And obstruction was also a big win. If you look, I mean, he didn't charge. For, now, I always hear, if you don't get charged, you're not supposed to be writing. You're virtually not allowed to be writing. If you don't get charged, you don't write. Uh, I wasn't charged, and they write whatever they want to write. But it was an incredible success, and I, meaning it was a, an incredible, in a way it was an achievement, because when you have haters and people that were angry. If you look at Weissman, he was at Hillary Clinton's what was going to be a celebration in their opinion and turned out to be a funeral after the election, right after the election at the big convention center, which was so beautifully done uh, right after the election, the night of the election. 
and he was a very angry man. And then all of a sudden, he's investigating you, and they come up mm -hmm. with no collusion? It's pretty amazing. I think you yep. found it amazing, too. Yes. Mr. President, freedom of the press. I don't know of anyone who opposes freedom of the press. I know you don't oppose freedom of the press. That's right. But when you have corrupt journalists who use right. opinion rather than news and have spent two and a half years putting out propaganda about collusion and so forth and who try to smear your character and smear your reputation when it comes to race, when it comes to religion or what have it, isn't that what you're attacking? Well, to think that these guys were so wrong and they got Pulitzer Prizes and they're all wrong and that Sean Hannity and you and I could go through a whole list, uh, Laura and Tucker and uh, I mean, Jesse, everybody, so many at Fox, but so many all over the place. You look at uh, Steve Ducey in the morning and Ainsley and Brian has been become great on the subject. I mean, nobody is mentioned for these awards, and they were all right. And yet you have people that were the biggest haters of all that were so wrong. I mean, if you went back to their original reporting, it's embarrassing to read it for them. And they win Pulitzer Prizes. It's a rigged system, and it's a shame. Mr. President, the border, you've been, since you ran... You've been talking about the border. You've been talking about the need to secure it, to put physical barriers there, to get the resources there. You've tried to work with Congress repeatedly. The Democrats obviously view it as politically problematic to do anything that will secure the border. You're trying to act on your own to secure the border. They talked about a manufactured crisis over and over yeah. again. I notice they don't say that anymore. No, they don't. And, you know, I must say many Democrats are talking a lot differently now than they were even three or four weeks ago. And on that one, you know, I've had to fight a lot of people in politics. I've had to fight a lot of people. And we've taken the bull by the horn. And don't forget, we have, you know, if you, if you look at what's, these people have been, uh, we, we've used the word capture, use whatever word you want. The Border Patrol has been incredible. But we're talking about 100,000 people a month. Mm. And I told about... Two weeks ago, I made a very strong statement, and I mean it to this day. I said, if, this, if these people flow through Mexico, I'm closing the border. That's a very big move because you're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars. I'm closing the border. That's more important than hundreds of billions. But I said it, and all of a sudden, as you see, Mexico is, is uh, taking people, bringing them back to their country. They're grabbing them, and they're bringing them back to their country. And I just see an account that just came out that they just took 15,000 back to their country, 15,000. Now, they weren't doing that for any president. You know, this has been going on for years, Mark. Mm -hmm. This isn't just now. And I've been talking about it. If you remember in Trump Tower when I came down the escalator with a very wonderful woman in a white dress, you remember that, our now oh, first yes. lady? And I announced, and I talked about, uh, I gave a rough speech on the border. Well, that speech is peanuts compared to what reality is, okay? It's far rougher. That was a mild... Remember how I was just lambasted? I mentioned the word rape. I mentioned other words that are not politically correct. It turns out that they were all very mild compared to the actuality. It's a... I mean, it's brutal. Even that trip up, you know, the trip up, it's 2,000 miles. And what goes on in those caravans, what's going on is incredible. Nobody can even believe it. But we've been very, very strong. We're making a lot of progress. You're going to start seeing some pretty good numbers coming out in a month. Mexico now is, you know, it's 
it's a tough situation, but Mexico now is uh, bringing a lot of people on that walk. They're bringing them back to their countries. They're bringing them right back. And today it was over 15,000 people. So we're making a lot of progress, but I'm willing to close the border. Now, it could all be solved very easily if Congress would sit down with, I say 45 minutes, but it's really 15 minutes. In 15 minutes, I could have the whole problem solved. You get rid of catch and release. You work on the asylum laws, which are very simple to work on. Uh, Mark, people come up that are the roughest looking people you've ever seen. They read a statement given them to, given to them by one of our lawyers living in California. They read the statement that I am afraid for my life. I am afraid. And in some cases, these are MS-13 gang members, okay? They make other people afraid. They come at waving the flag of Honduras or Guatemala or El Salvador, waving the flag, and then they're saying, they're swearing that they're afraid to be in their country. Well, what are they waving the flag for? It's a, it's a con game. And, you know, we're totally wise to it. If we had some simple changes in the law to make common sense, it would be done. But I'm doing it anyway. We're now detaining them before they get here. You know, once they, once they step, once they have one foot, it's like a, a football game. Once they have one foot on our soil, Mark, they are, it's, it's almost called welcome to the United States. I hope you enjoy your stay. Mm -hmm. It is a disgrace. But we're being very, very vigilant. The, the Border Patrol's been great. ICE has been incredible. When the Democrats want to get rid of ICE, you know, we're, we're taking out thousands of MS-13 gang members. These are people that even top law enforcement people don't want to get involved in. This is a rough group of people. They should never have been in here in the first place. They've come in here over years. They're rough. And these people go right into a nest of MS-13. And in many cases, they're swinging. They, I don't know, they love their job. Uh, but I don't know if you'd like it, Mark. I don't know if you'd <laughs> no. be cut out. I don't know if I'd like it too much, but they are incredible. And can you imagine the Democrats want to, you know, end ICE? You end ICE, you'd, this country would be crime infested. And with all of that we're talking about, the crime numbers have gone way down since I've become president. You see that. So, you know, we're very proud of a lot of achievements and maybe especially the economy. The economy has been incredible. Now, uh, we're going to go to the second part of this interview. You see how engaging this president is, how conversational this president is, um, how he can relate. You see how sharp he is. This is what they hate about him. He's nothing like they portray. So we'll take a short break. When we come back, the final part of my interview with the president. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. to do i'm not playing games because i don't do that with you what we're gonna have to do is play the remaining five minutes or so of the president after the bottom of the hour because there's not enough time in this segment sorry wasn't intentional it's just the way it is but he really is a fascinating man isn't he how many presidents do you know who speak like this forget about the phonies in uh in the in the media forget about all that He's talking to you. And I think he's connecting with you. I really do. He's talking about ma issues that matter to you. And he talks from his heart. He doesn't, you know, have one of these governors on himself where he's uh, 
well, let me choose my words in a way that, you know, I won't be criticized. He says what he believes. He says what he thinks. And that's what's so refreshing to so many of us. I want you to take a quick look at some outstanding. Is this the right one? Oops. See, this is live radio and I can screw up. And sometimes I do. For all your biggest achievements in life, who's the one person that's always been there unconditionally supporting you every step of the way? Your mother. Be thankful you have a mother. Now, this Mother's Day, I'll show her just how much you appreciate the love with 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, when you get ahead of the Mother's Day rush, 1-800-Flowers will give you an exclusive 36 for 36 offer. 36 sorbet roses for just $36. That's only $1 a rose. And with an impressive mix of pastel shades and pink, orange, and lavender, these roses are guaranteed to make her smile. Roses are the perfect way to surprise all the moms in your life or to celebrate any spring occasion. 36 sorbet roses for $36. That's an amazing offer. But you have to hurry because it expires today. Hello, today, Friday. Don't put this off. Order today from 1-800-Flowers.com. It's what mom would want you to do. To order 36 sorbet roses for just $36, go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click the radio icon, and enter the code LEVIN. This is what's key. This is how you get the special deal. You go to 1-800-Flowers.com, enter code LEVIN in the radio icon, L-E-V-I-N. You can pick anybody, enter me. Harry, this fantastic offer ends... Today, it's Friday. Don't put it off any further. How much time do I have, Mr. Producer? Evan, Covina, California, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Hi, Mark. Um, Hello. I would like to talk. Hello? Yes. Yes, go right ahead. I would like to talk about the issue of these congressional, these congressmen on the left. Mm-hmm. I've taken up an oath to uphold this constitution, but seem to just want to destroy it. Now, how old are you, young man? I'm 10. Uh, you live in Covina, California. Would you ever consider moving to Fairfax County, Virginia, where you could run against a guy it. by the name of Jerry? What's his face? Connolly? <laughs> I love it, sir. You have more brilliance in your one or two sentences than he has in a long, dreary, bleak career. Are you aware of that? Well, sir, thank you for that. So I want to endorse you, even though you're 10 years old, when you become of age, to run for office uh, and uh, to help straighten out this country. Sir, you you have my vote if you ever run for anything. Well, I don't run for anything. I run from stuff, you know? Do we have anything to give this young man, Mr. Producer? We'll find something. We got, yeah, don't hang up. Don't hang up, Evan. We got some great books that my father wrote. Don't hang up. Let's give him a few of those Civil War books. I'll be right back. All right. This is about four or five minutes long, the remaining part of our interview with the President of the United States. Go right ahead. Bernie Sanders believes terrorists should be able to vote. Joe Biden 
has announced the other day that he wants to run, and he's got a history of actually supporting segregation back in right. the 70s. He starts right. attacking you for Charlottesville. I, I just want to make this clear. I read your, the transcript, went back and listened to the audio, what you said at Charlottesville. Right. You never said anything positive nope. about neo-Nazis and nope. Klansmen, and they, but they continue to push that line, don't they? It's a terrible thing that they keep bringing up, and I actually said two different ways, and I said it every way you can say it, but I said you have bad people in both groups, you have, you have good people in both groups. Don't and, by, and by groups, by groups you meant protesters, not the Klan and not the oh, neo-Nazis. Oh, no, I only meant the protesters, but if you remember... That started over the statue of a, perhaps the greatest general in the history of our country in terms of strategic brilliance. If you go to generals, a lot of generals I work with, uh, many of them think that strategically and in many ways Robert E. Lee was the greatest general. They have in Charlottesville, where I have a big property, I have a big house in Charlottesville, believe it or not, the John Kluge estate. Uh, and, uh, you know, you go and you look at this incredible, what was, incredible uh, statue of Robert E. Lee on a horse. And many of those people were from University of Virginia. They were from all around the neighborhood, the area. They just wanted to protest the fact that they want to take down the statue of Robert E. Lee. Mm -hmm. Now, there were a lot of good people in that group. And they were protesting the taking down of statues. Now, some people are for that, and some people are not for But you for see, it. Mr. Pratt, what they're doing to you is they're twisting what you say. Mm -hmm. And what they're saying is, when you say a lot of good people, they're going, see that? He's talking about the Klan. See that? He's talking about You're not. No. No, I'm talking about people that were there. You, and you had some very bad people in each group, too. You had some very... Don't forget, that was the beginning of Antifa. That's when you first started hearing the word mm -hmm. Antifa. I'm not sure I heard the name Antifa before Charlottesville. Let me ask and you they, this. And they were hitting people with clubs and sticks. I don't oh, know yeah. if you saw that. Oh, yeah. You had bad people in bo on both sides also. And I said that. Do you think uh, they're going to scrutinize what Joe Biden actually said in, in very in a particular way in the 1970s about race? And let me ask you this. Who would you like to run against? They, they got quite a crew of ultra leftists out there. Well, I have to say that, you know, look, the, the standard answer, I'll run against any of them. Do I have a pick? Maybe I'll tell you when I'm with you. First of all, I want to thank you. You have been so brilliant and so good. And uh, it's it's been incredible. The show you did on television the other night, I tell people, was like total genius. It was like you built a building, like you were building from the foundation all the way up in exposing the witch hunt, in exposing the, the whole... Uh, really horrible thing that they created out of absolutely nothing. That was the only thing they did well. Uh, she didn't run a good race, but she sure as hell built a uh, a good thing after the race, and and actually during the race because you know that didn't start with Mueller. That started long before Mueller. That was a coup. They were really mm -hmm. it was a coup that started long before Mueller, and that was uh, the whole thing with dirty cops and uh, FBI and uh, all of the things that you know about better than anybody else. I mean, if you look mm -hmm. at the the people involved in that horrible situation. Outrageous. And, and that was a very dangerous thing for our country. And uh, and now people understand it. Really, they understand it. But, you know, they'll go on. But I think, I think it's embers now. I just think it's little embers. I hope so anyway, because it's so bad for our country. It puts us in such a bad light. Uh, it really, it really hurts us as a country. What, what do you, I what do you, we, I think we've done a good job. 
But look how far the Democrat Party has lurched left. I mean, yeah. they all sound like Bernie Sanders now. They have lurched left, and I watched Bernie the other day talking about, you know, prisoners can vote. And Terrorists. I said, I said well, I, I actually said, because then they went into that. At first they said prisoners, then they said, well, that means the Boston bomber. You know, they used a couple of beautiful examples like the Boston bomber. Yeah. And he said, that includes the Boston bomber. And I said, whoa, that's heavy stuff. And then you hear other people more or less agreeing with him that, you know, are running. And I think it's amazing, but I don't mind I don't mind campaigning on the fact that I will not allow ever to have the Boston bomber be voting. Okay, I don't mind that. I think that's not uh I don't lose any points with uh, with the world <laughs> of politics with that. It's ridiculous. But that's what I'm running against and it, it is amazing to me and to you how far left these people have gone. But yes. We'll expose it for what it is. Well, in two years, despite all that's been going on around you, I'm speaking for myself, you've been a remarkably successful president. You haven't mentioned the courts yet. You've done a tremendous job on the courts, which is very, very difficult. You've been fighting this battle on immigration. You have cities and states that are violating federal law with this sanctuary nullification nonsense. You have people who are trying to undermine the United States military. You're standing for the United States military. You're doing a lot of things that the people who live between the two coasts wanted you to do. Right. And I just wanted to mention that as, uh, as, as, as we end our discussion here. Well, I, I, Mark, if I could, I'd just like to thank the farmers because, you know, we're doing great trade deals, and they're going to be among the biggest beneficiaries. They've been so patriotic, so loyal, and uh, they're starting to do really well. And, and, you know, they've been going down for 15, 20 years, a long time. But the farmers, and we rebuilt the military and we will, you mentioned the courts, we'll have very shortly, within another couple of months, I'll have 145 federal judges, including two on the Supreme Court. 145. Nobody would have thought that's possible. And uh, 145. It, top It's a big percentage top of the notch. Into, all top notch. So we're very mm-hmm. happy with that. Well, Mr. President, be safe out there. We're rooting Thank for you it because much. rooting for you is rooting for the country. Well, I really appreciate it. I love your show, and I, uh, you're a very special man, and I appreciate it very much. And you've been with me from early on and uh, very early, almost at the beginning. You, <laughs> took a little, you took a little side path for a few months there, but that was okay. And he happens to be a good man. He, uh, he ended up doing a good job, Ted, uh, and I understand. I, I can understand that, too. But uh, I really do appreciate it, Mark. Very much. God bless and best to your family as well. Thank you very much. I'll see you soon. Thank you. All right. Take care. Now I'm back live. It cracks me. He always does that too, by the way. He never lets me forget. Well, I'll tell you what. Ted Cruz is a terrific, terrific conservative. He really is. And he's doing a hell of a job too. But this is our president. And I know this is going to, uh, it's going to upset the people at Mediaite. It's going to upset the people at, what are the other crazy left-wing sites? can't remember them all. Uh, Media Matters and so forth. I am proud of this president. I am proud of him. I am proud of the fights that he picks with the media, with media outlets, with individuals, reporters, who think they own this country, they own the airwaves, they don't. I'm proud of what he's doing on the judiciary. I'm proud of the fact that he has criticized the judiciary and the foolishness of the chief justice pretending there aren't Obama judges and so forth, like we're all supposed to play stupid. I am proud of what he's trying to do on the border. 
a president, finally, who's trying to secure our country's safety and national security. And yes, to ensure that the culture survives. And that's a very, very important thing. Assimilation is crucial into our culture, not us into other cultures. People are fleeing those cultures. Why would we want to be like those cultures? Those cultures should be like our culture. This president has increased defense spending. He doesn't go around the world apologizing for us. He doesn't show up like a slip and fall lawyer at the cream of various uh, at the scene of various crimes, trashing our police officers. I mean, he's trying to do the right things. And he is he's fighting a fifth column in this country made up of the media People like Connolly and Nadler and the rest of the reprobates. Fighting these billionaires who seek to take him out because they like the status quo, this, this clown Steyer. What, what a jackass. You want to see if he'll come on this show, Mr. Producer, Tom Steyer? Tell him, you know, you're, you're buying up the airways with all your... How about you come on free radio right here? Right here. Radio Free America. Where he and I can debate. The president is trying to do the very best he can, and he's doing great things. And I am telling you, if he doesn't win re-election, we are going to regret this deeply. Deeply. And when the day comes, whether it's in two years, God forbid, or four years, and he's no longer president, we're going to regret that too. We're going to regret that too. Despite what the left says, history is going to treat this president very, very well. History is going to treat the media, the never-Trumpers, and the Democrats, the rogue, tyrannical Democrats that run the House of Representatives today, very, very poorly. This I truly believe. Look at the economy. Up until today, we were told we were heading for a recession. You have 3.2% GDP growth in the first quarter. You've heard everyone talk about this, but I'm going to tell you something you haven't heard them talk about. 3.2%. Obama never got that. With the government shutdown. You see, my attitude is, with the government shutdown, the private sector felt that it could actually muscle up more. The regulators weren't regulating. The government wasn't in your face. We the people, we make this country wealthy. We grow the economy. Not government. Not the bureaucrats. We could do so well, even so much better, if we had so much less government. But we were told over and over and over again by the financial experts. You know, they use as a backdrop the stock market. By the, uh, by the financial hosts on all kinds of cable TV, including our favorite cable station, that we were headed for uh, muddy waters. I want you to listen to this. This also is from Unfreedom of the Press, page 20. I want you to know why you keep hearing how negative and terrible the economy is when Republicans are president, particularly this president. A November 2018 survey of 462 financial journalists by professors at Arizona State University and Texas A&M University, of which more than 70% of those surveys were affiliated with the Wall Street Journal, Financial Times, Bloomberg News, Associated Press, Forbes, 
The New York Times, Reuters, or the Washington Post revealed that even most financial journalists are political progressives. When asked, generally speaking, how would you describe your political views? The journalists responded, very liberal, 17.6%, somewhat liberal, 40.8%, moderate, 37.1%, somewhat conservative, 3.94%, and very conservative, 0.046%. Thus, nearly 60% of financial journalists surveyed said they were liberal and less than 5% were conservative. That's why they throw wet blankets on this president's economy. That's why they threw wet blankets on George H.W. Bush's economy and Reagan's economy. That's why. Because they're liberals, too. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You want a little more inside baseball? This book, Unfreedom of the Press, is looking to be a really big book. Told you about the Reagan Library. Well, I don't know if I'm allowed to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. This book is in its second printing and it hasn't even come out yet. Hundreds of thousands of copies printed. I'm not allowed to give you a number. Unfreedom of the Press. It's already in its second printing and it doesn't come out to May 21st. That's because of you. You people are pre-ordering the book. You know where we stand. You know the problems. We have an election coming up and we have to address this. We have to address this before they, their influence is uh, in the upcoming election. And that's what we plan to do. This is not just a campaign against one of the kooks the Democrats nominate. We're running against the Democrat candidate and the media. Let me repeat that. We're running against the Democrat candidate and the media. In this book, Unfreedom of the Press, this is our guide. I hope. I believe. When President Trump says America will never be a socialist country, he couldn't be more right. That's why it's so troubling. A proposal from the Department of Health and Human Services would move us in that direction. And that's why I'm speaking out. The International Drug Pricing Index would adopt socialist price controls set by foreign countries. Now, Clearly, Americans get access to cutting-edge therapies for diseases like cancer nearly two years before other countries. And the future holds incredible promise for fighting diseases like MS and Alzheimer's and so forth. The HHS proposal would cripple America's world-leading medical innovation. We would have fewer new cures, and they'd be harder to obtain. We should control costs with market-based reforms by fostering competition and by making other countries pay their fair share, not with socialist price controls. Keep America great by keeping American medical intervention great. Visit protectmypartb.org. Protectmypartb.org. Paid for by a great group, Americans for Tax Reform. Now you heard the president. Did it sound like that was an alternative reality? Well, Jake Tapper, one of the uh, ringleaders of the media mob, he was upset about this today. 
He was on the Constipated News Network. Now, why do I call it that? Well, look at them. They all look constipated to me. Cut six, go. Welcome to the lead. I'm Jake Tapper, the politics lead. President Trump all over the place today, promoting his alternate reality where the special counsel... All right, stop right there. This is a reporter. Hey, welcome to the... uh, Nobody even watches this show. My Sunday show gets bigger ratings than this guy. And it's on at 10 p.m. Eastern time. He's on at prime time. Hey, welcome to the, welcome to uh, whatever my show's called. Hey, look here. The president's alternate reality. Disrespectful, dishonest, deceitful. Go ahead. ...started by his hand-picked deputy attorney general was an attempted coup against him. Yes, it was an attempted coup against him. And so what? The deputy attorney general, excuse me, appointed the special counsel. He shouldn't have. But this guy acts like nothing happened. I guess he missed the 60 Minutes interview of McCabe, where they were talking about the 25th Amendment. Did you miss that one, Jakey? Fake Tapper? Oh, yeah. Jake Tapper hasn't broken a single story when it comes to Russia. Not a single one. Not on the dossier, not who paid for the dossier, not on the FISA court, not on the FISA court applications. Not on Orr, who served on the deputy attorney general staff, whose wife worked for Fusion GPA. He could care less. Old fake tech. We live in an alternative universe here. Yeah, alternative reality. It's not like the newsroom here at CNN. Go ahead. Says he attacked his own former White House counsel as a liar, slammed Democrats as maniacs. Uh, Hold on now. He didn't call him a liar. You see? the snake oil salesmen fast they do their hit and run stuff hey fake tapper 30 hours of testimony you got two paragraphs in a 400 and some odd page report are you not curious what happened for 29 hours and 59 minutes the rest of the testimony you just swallow whole what the prosecutors put in volume two which was nothing more than a an essay you're a reporter? You're a joke. You're not a reporter. You're a propagandist. You're not a reporter. You're a burp artist. Burp. I've got more. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there is a contributor in CNN, the Constipated News Network, uh, who said essentially that we don't need white people leading the Democratic Party. In fact, that's what she said. She said it on November 23rd, 2016. Mr. Producer dug this out. It wasn't so easy. Her name is Simone Sanders. Simone Sanders said on CNN... November 23, 2016, that we don't need white people leading the Democrat Party. And CNN was thrilled with her. They kept bringing her on over and over and over again. I want you to hear what she had to say. Cut nine, go. How 
Dean is also on record maligning young people and millennials, telling those Bernie folks they just need to get in line and maligning Bernie Sanders. And that is not what we need. In my opinion, we don't need white people leading the Democratic Party right now. The Democratic Party is diverse and it should be reflected as so in our leadership and throughout the, the staff at the top and the highest levels, from the vice chairs to the secretaries, all the way down to the people working in the offices at the DNC. So we don't need white people leading the Democrat Party anymore. She just signed up with the Joe Biden campaign. She's now a senior advisor to Joe Biden. Didn't she just say we don't need white people leading the uh, Democrat Party, Mr. Producer? Biden is technically translucent. Now, I saw Biden on a train. I told you guys this a couple of times, but I saw him on a train. He looks old. And by the way, nothing wrong with that. But he looks old. He looks even worse. He looks washed out. But frankly, so does uh, so does Mr. Red. B.S. Bernie Sanders. He looks washed out to me, too. But I want to circle back. That was CNN. Back to CNN. Fake tapper. He ran out of time. He wants to talk about the Donald Trump's alternative reality. Now, listen to this clown, and you tell me who believes in an alternative reality and who pretends to be a reporter. Remember, this guy worked for Handgun Control Inc. He was a press person for them. He was a press person for a left-wing Democrat congresswoman, Mezvinsky, Marjorie Margolis Mezvinsky. Didn't Mezvinsky marry uh, Clinton? Something like that. It's so confusing, all this interplay. Fake Tapper, cut six, go. Welcome to the lead on Jake Tapper, the politics lead. President Trump all over the place today, promoting his alternate reality where the special counsel investigation started by his hand-picked deputy attorney. That's why this guy will never make it big. Never make it big. They love him on comedy late night. Uh, Stephen Colbert brings him in every now and then, the spockish-looking proctologist. Oh, yes. You don't know that. During the day, Stephen Colbert is a proctologist. He actually invented something. You may not have heard of this before. He invented something. Speaking of proctology. A home colonoscopy kit. Did you know this, Mr. Producer? He invented a home colonoscopy kit. Nah, not really. Anyway, go ahead. Was an attempted coup against him. This as he attacked his own former White House counsel as a liar, slammed Democrats as maniacs, promised to fill sanctuary cities with undocumented Just immigrants. Just listen, listen to this guy. He calls his counsel a liar, he slammed Democrats as maniacs. Of course they're not, we all know that. Promised to fill sanctuary cities with undocumented immigrants. What's wrong with that? Fake. What's wrong with that? Go ahead. Legal guidance from his own Department of Homeland Security that he cannot do that. And claimed that his... Uh, Excuse me. Excuse me. He can do that. Now, the the acting head of ICE said he can do that. We all know he can do that. They didn't say he couldn't do it. They were questioning whether or not the the funds were there. And, of course, he can move funds around. No, no, that would be unconstitutional. All of a sudden, the constitutionalists. No, it wouldn't. Go ahead. There were, quote, very fine people on both sides of that Charlottesville... Why do you keep lying? Why do you keep up with the big lie, Tapper? You know quite well, Tapper. He wasn't talking about neo-Nazis and Klansmen. 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, at least there's some pushback on this now, and I'm glad we started it right here five or six weeks ago for a full hour. Remember that, Mr. Producer, going through the transcript word by word by word by word? Finally, somebody had the you-know-whats to say, that's enough of this crap already. I went back and read it. I went back and listened to it. But I read it to you on the air, word for word, syllable for syllable. And yet Jake Tapper, in his alternative reality, continues to lie with the big lie, with the propaganda. Another one, another Walter Durante at the media. What's Walter Durante? You'll learn about it in the book. Go ahead. Was the perfect response. The president today also claimed that gas prices were going down when they're actually going up. Actually, gas prices where I am did go down this week. But don't worry, Jake Tapper, who's an all-around guy, all-around town guy, he was checking out those gas prices. Yeah, yeah, he was. Pump to pump. He was going around, he was checking it out. Jake knows. Go ahead. His 72-year-old self as young and vibrant. He is vibrant. I must tell you, look at the schedule he keeps. He is. Look at the schedule he keeps. But, you know, that's an alternative reality because I don't agree with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't agree with the prices going down. I don't agree. It's an alternative reality. Is this a newsman? No, it's not, ladies and gentlemen. He's a fraud. He's a fraud. He's not a news guy. He's a social activist. He's a Democrat. Yeah, every now and then a whack a Republican. Every now and then something. That's that's all camouflage. Go ahead. Any one of these comments during any other presidency would prompt alarm, condemnation, concern. Shut up, you idiot. Absolute fraud. Yeah, any one of these comments during any other president would prompt alarm, condemnation, concern, perhaps even a congressional hearing, he says. Oh, we're going back to the 25th Amendment, are we there? Fake tapper. What are fake tapper's credentials for being a newsman? fact that he's a liberal, that he's a Democrat, that he worked for a Democrat congresswoman, that he worked for handgun controlling. But he was at ABC News, you know. Exactly. That's my point. What are his credentials? His ratings suck. And so they have to keep getting more and more hyper, more and more out there, more and more outrageous. Because they've created their little audience and they have to keep feeding it. They have to keep feeding this this Godzilla of their audience. And of course, uh, we all know that Joe Biden should be disqualified to run for president because he's a white man. That's what his now senior, hey, maybe even top advisor, Simone Sanders, said on CNN of all places. On CNN. But uh, Jake, Jake's very worked up about the president of the United States. Something's not right with the president of the United States. And Jake's still ch- uh, chasing collusion. He's still chasing collusion. Bob, Port Washington, New York, the great WABC, go. Yeah, hi, Mark. Yes, how may I help you, yeah. sir? Yeah, well, I'm a big Trump supporter, but the the only yeah, thing I yeah. find uh, somewhat of a disappointment in his policy is his uh, failure to address the debt and the deficit. I happen to agree um, with you. Yeah, because we're now approaching uh, over twenty-two trillion and going on twenty-three trillion. Yeah, but that's not and, all him, obviously. Um, no, I, I understand. But the, the only thing I'll hold against the Trump administration is they propose a four four point seven trillion dollar budget. 
I have have a problem with this, but you also know how the Constitution works, right? They propose, but really, uh, they basically dispose of the president's proposal. You get these bloated bills coming out of the House. Mitch McConnell is a huge spender. They throw these bills on his desk. You remember what happened last year. I strongly encouraged on the air that he veto it. He didn't veto it because he needed the money for the military. Uh, which had been abused over the decade by Obama and the Democrats and some Republicans with sequestration. So it's a little bit more complicated. That said, I think you're right. That no, no, much no. that that much more needs to be done about this. But, but why not propose a three point seven trillion dollar budget just to say here's what we need to spend as opposed to like why, why I don't think you're gonna cut one trillion dollars in one in one quick hit. But I think you should propose cuts, yes. And by the way, they apparently have proposed cuts. I'm sorry? But there needs to be more. Exactly. So, again, I'm a, I'm a huge Trump supporter. You don't need to repeat yourself. Um, I don't disagree with you. Yeah, so, so I really believe the government shutdown was one way to permanently start reducing the deficit. I mean, well, I wish. I'm, you know, I'm not opposed to these shutdowns. I think I'm like the lone guy on radio that says, okay, fine. Here it is again, and I'll do it again. It's 6, what is it? It's 8.15 p.m. Eastern time, right? Yep, it is. The government shut down right now, as I speak. I, I, I get it. I get it. But when I, I guess what I'm proposing is we were at a point where it could have gone into a furlough mode. Where the, do what? Uh, Sir, talk right into the mouthpiece. We're at a point what? At a, I, I believe we're at a point where the law would have in, indicated that those who were uh, furloughed from work, from work could have been permanently laid off. And I believe that's the only way to start reducing the, the, the budget. And the fact that we have not... It's all good when you and I sit here and theorize. I don't think, I don't know that you're able to do that. But what I would have done, quite frankly, is limit the growth of government. And that is, and this has been proposed by many, but particularly the late great Milton Friedman. He said, just limit the percentage of the gross domestic product that the federal government can take. You don't have to whack it all at once, but over really a relatively short period of time, six to ten years, you'd have significant reduction. But the Republican Party, if you listen to this show, you'll understand, is a soft progressive party. You're not going to see cuts like this coming from McConnell or Cornyn or Lamar Alexander or Susan Collins. They simply don't have the votes for this stuff. If you're saying, however, that there needs to be more leadership on this, more bully pulpit on this. I don't agree. I don't disagree. Excuse me. I don't disagree. All right, sir. Thank you for your call. And you're right. Daniel, Fredericksburg, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go. Wait a minute. Wait. Do I have enough time to take this call? Yeah, I do. Go ahead. I'll be quick, Mark. Thank you so much, buddy. Thank you. Um, we haven't talked in a few years. I was in a storage unit the last time I was living in a storage unit. Let me tell you. Oh, I remember you. Much, well, things have gotten much better, Mark. And yeah. thank you for your leadership. It's very important. Well, not due to uh, me. Tell me what happened. Well, so Trump made it into office. I stopped drinking. I stopped smoking. I've been sober for almost four years. I've been mm-hmm. off cigarettes for three years. I'm feeling much, much better, and mm-hmm. I'm feeling more hopeful. You sound good. Extreme, well, I was extremely depressed. It was situational depression. But anyway, I got better. I, I started making better choices. And um, so I, I'm living in Fredericksburg now in a house, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and things are rolling real well. 
Mark, uh, you brought it up two months ago, and uh, I've been thinking about this for a long time, actually. And that is Trump, God bless him, needs to get in front of the television cameras, the Oval Office, wherever, in the White House, wherever, wherever. And he needs to devote and invest a certain amount of time per month, whenever he can. I know he's a busy guy. And literally tell us why it's so important to look at the issues that you bring up constantly. Here's the problem. The networks will never give them the time. Okay. But what's interesting about what you say, though, is think about this. FDR did these fireside chats, right? Yes. They always gave him the time. Radio gave him the time. He did these fireside chats. Uh, Later TV came about. He did these fireside. They always gave him the time. Trump, when he wants to give a speech, you hear the debates. Well, I don't know. He always lies. I mean, even his people lie. Maybe we won't put him on. You know, maybe that kind of debate never happens with a Democrat. But with Trump, it does. So he needs to use that kind of judiciously now. But Twitter is his friend. I don't mean the company. The company sucks. But Twitter, the fact that he can tweet. In, a, in essence, he does what Reagan did, but in a different way. Reagan would give these speeches and go over the head of the media. And he was an enormously effective communicator. So is Trump. But Trump has embraced new technology. And he tweets. And it drives them nuts. And they respond to his tweets. We've never seen anything like this. I think it's a beautiful thing. Daniel, you take care of yourself. You sound great. And we'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Isn't it interesting? It wasn't that long ago where Beto O'Rourke was the favorite of the media, the favorite of Hollywood, the favorite of Democrats. They poured $100 million or so into his campaign to take out Ted Cruz in Texas. And wherever he showed up, there were thousands of people cheering him on. He was an empty suit, saying the most outrageous things about the border and so forth. And now, some event the other day, he had 35 people show up. He's not the favorite anymore. The favorite of whom? The media. The most powerful political force we have in this country, ladies and gentlemen. Again, I'll point it out in unfreedom of the press and in ways you've probably not thought about before. The most powerful political force we have in this country. The press. And they back one party and one ideology. The Democrat Party and the progressive ideology. They build up Beto O'Rourke, and now they've disposed of him because they don't think he can win. He's just too odd. And yet they almost took out Ted Cruz in the U.S. Senate. Now they're getting behind this guy, Mayor Pete, who's nothing more than another left-wing quack dork. They build up people like Aach, like Omar, like Talib. Even though they're anti-Semites, so what? Incredible, isn't it? They decide who to take out and who to celebrate and promote. So Beto O'Rourke, who we were told would would team up with Joe Biden and be an unbeatable ticket. Of course, they're both white. There is that. But Beto O'Rourke. And now Beto O'Rourke is a laugh line. Now it's Mayor Pete. Oh, that Mayor Pete. Look at him. Until they get tired of him and they're concerned he can't win. 
And let me tell you a little secret. They're not going to take out Joe Biden. Joe Biden's plan B. They may have to move him up to plan A, but he's plan B. That is, it's not their first choice. He's not. But they won't take him out yet. They could have taken him out. They could have taken him out. I mean, imagine the treatment that he could have gotten if he were a nominee for the Supreme Court by Donald Trump. Imagine. So, you know, they dumb down stuff. So there you have Joe Biden, 76, 77 years old, really has accomplished very little in his long, bleak political career. He's a character assassin. He's harmed many, many good people. He has said some of the dumbest things that have ever come out of any politician's mouth. He supported segregation, then was opposed to it, then supported, then was opposed to it. So they're not going to take him out, at least not yet. They're going to try and build him up. But Beto O'Rourke should be an example to all of you. How the media is the most powerful political force in this country. I'll be right back. The Mark Levin Show, the pool feed for the conservative media. Dive in now. 877-381-3811. Mm-hmm. Does your current office chair support you? Now, if you're lucky, maybe it goes up and down. Compare that to my X-Chair with Dynamic Variable Lumbar Support, or DVL. The X-Chair's DVL provides unbelievably comfortable lumbar support, and every part of the chair can be custom-adjusted to fit you specifically. That's why the X-Chair is equally supportive and comfortable, whether you're 5'2 and 110 pounds, like Mr. Producer, or 6'4 and 250 pounds, like Mr. Call Screener. Nah, I'm just kidding. They're neither that small nor that big. Although, Mr. Call Screener, you know, whatever. I can comfortably sit for hours in my X-Chair. And now with the introduction of the X-Basic model, there's an X-Chair for everybody type and budget. Take advantage of X-Chair's new financing option and pay as little as 30 bucks a month. Take your comfort and productivity to the next level for less than the cost of a daily cup of coffee. X-Chair's on sale now for $100 off. Just go to xchairlevin.com, that's xchairlevin.com, or give us a call at 1-844-4X-CHAIR, 1-844-4X-CHAIR. X-CHAIR comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. No other chair does that. Go to xchairlevin.com now and use code XWHEELS, and you'll receive free set of the new X-WHEELS that cause your chair to glide. To glide. XChairLevin.com, XChairLevin.com, or 1-844-4-X-Chair. Rod Rosenstein, this is very interesting, from Hot Air, Ed Morrissey. Rod Rosenstein won't stick around much longer at the Department of Justice, but the Deputy Attorney General will make his departure memorable. At a dinner hosted by the Armenian Bar Association, Rosenstein took aim at critics, the media, and especially Russia, whose aims at destabilizing the U.S. remain vastly underappreciated, he warned. However, when describing his last two years at the center of the Russiagate maelstrom, 
Rosenstein took veiled shots at the Obama administration, James Comey and Congress for their roles in stoking those fires. Said at my confirmation hearing in March 2017, a Republican senator asked me to make a commitment. He said, you're going to be in charge of this Russia investigation. I want you to look me in the eye and tell me that you'll do it right and that you'll take it to its conclusion and you'll report your results to the American people. I did pledge to do it right and take it to the appropriate conclusion. I did not promise to report all results to the public because grand jury investigations are ex-party proceedings. It's not our job to render conclusive factual findings. We just decide whether it is appropriate to file criminal charges. Some critical decisions about the Russia investigation were made before I got there. The previous administration chose not to publicize the full story about Russian computer hackers and social media trolls and how they relate to a broader strategy to undermine America. Now, we've been talking about this. The FBI disclosed, he says, classified evidence about the investigation to ranking legislators and their staffers. Someone selectively leaked details to the news media. The FBI director announced at a congressional hearing that there was a counterintelligence investigation that might result in criminal charges. Then the former FBI director alleged that the president pressured him to close the investigation and the president denied that the conversation occurred. So that happened, said Rosenstein. Now, as Marcy points out, there's no mistaking Rosenstein's meeting, even if he didn't attach names to those allegations. Until now, many just assumed that Rosenstein would have a lot to say about Trump once he left the Department of Justice. That impression has some reasonable basis. Trump occasionally took public shots at Rosenstein and at one point seemed on the verge of firing him. Rosenstein only mentioned Trump once by name in the whole speech. However, and that was a positive reference to a Trump quote about the rule of law. One gets the impression from this passage that he will have much more to say about the actions and inactions that took place before Trump ever got to the White House. And Rosenstein offered this metaphor as a hint. There's a story about firefighters who found a man on a burning bed. When they asked how the fire started, he replied, I don't know. It was on fire when I laid down on it. I know the feeling, said Rosenstein. And he goes on. Yep. Yep. I've never been a fan of this gentleman, mostly because I've never understood how he could appoint a special counsel to investigate, among other things, Comey's firing when, in fact, he recommended it. It's never added up to me. But we'll see what he has to say once he's out of office. This phrase, bad cop, is another phrase that I started using on Fox. And you know it's been picked up by everybody at this point. But Comey was a bad cop. McCabe was a bad cop. Stroke, Page, bad cops. Baker, bad cop. And I'm sure I've missed some. But that's what we had here. Corruption. Not financial corruption. Corruption. Doesn't matter what the motivation was. It was what it was. Adam, Colorado Springs, Colorado, Sirius Satellite, Go. Hi, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. I have a, I have a question. So the yes, Democrats sir. keep talking about impeaching Trump and stuff, and, you know, they barely hold the majority of the House. They don't have two-thirds of the House. They definitely don't have two-thirds of the Senate. 
So my question is, why is Trump even worried about being impeached? Because I know I, I've read articles on the Internet. Well, I'll, I'll tell you why. Because it is a wrenching process, because the media will focus on it before an election, because it's based on trying to defeat him and ruin his name and his character. And if you were in his position, you'd be worrying about it, too. Yeah, but they, they, it's not likely they're going to be able to get two-thirds of the I, House. You're not vote. listening to me. They're not going. You don't need two-thirds of the House. You need a majority of the House. It's two-thirds of the Senate to convict. Ah, okay. That's yeah. the problem, isn't it? Yeah, that, that was my question and stuff. I, I, I couldn't understand, like, like what the point was. But it's, I mean, a simple, were- it's a simple majority. In fact, let me read you something. And you folks, I just want to encourage you. It's a book by Raul Berger. He's since deceased. To me, he was one of the great, great constitutional minds in this country. And he wrote to me what is the definitive book on impeachment. There's many, but it's called Impeachment, the Constitutional Problems. And I've been going through this. It's a rather substantial book with a lot of smart stuff in it. So you have to take your time in many respects. And among other things, in the conclusion part, and I've read to you from other parts of this book, too, he talks about the impeachment of Andrew Johnson. Andrew Johnson was impeached by the Republicans in the House. The Republicans controlled the Senate. Obviously, this was after Lincoln's assassination. He was a Democrat from Tennessee, but he supported uh, um, the uh, he supported Lincoln and Lincoln chose him. But the Republicans wanted him out. Many ways, just like the Democrats want Trump out. And obviously he became president as a result of the assassination of Lincoln. And one of the things the late Professor Raul Berger says is, the chief lesson which emerges from the Johnson trial in the Senate is that impeachment of the president should be a last resort. Inevitably, it becomes colored by party spleen, however justified in purpose. An attempt should first be made to accomplish that purpose by less explosive means. What about Clinton, Mark? Well, Clinton actually committed crimes. Trump has committed no such thing. The Democrats and the media keep trying to use volume two of the report, and there's some uh, judicial analysts and legal analysts trying to do the same thing to paint the president as somebody who obstructed justice. It's simply not true under the law or under the facts. But Berger went on near the end of his book. He said, A decent regard for the design of the founders, a resolve to avoid the excesses which forever stigmatized the Johnson trial, should constrain the Congress to disclaim unlimited power and to act within constitutional confines. I tell you over and over again, despite what all the other fools are saying on TV and radio, when they just dismiss impeachment as rhetoric, the language in the Constitution, or they dismiss it as a political process, the House can do whatever the House wants to do. It is a constitutional process, and there are confines. And those words have definitional meaning. There's a history to the words in the Constitution. That's why he says that Congress should disclaim unlimited power and act within the constitutional confines. If there are indeed limits to the impeachment power, the Senate may no more act in excess of those limits when it acts judicially than when it acts legislatively. Every branch of government is confined to the limits drawn in the Constitution. And the chief purpose of those limits was to fence in the much feared legislative branch 
It was not, and I want to remind my friend Mike Lee of this, it was not left to the unlimited discretion of that branch to disrupt the other branches through resort to the impeachment power. And I will return to this another day. The tremendous consequences of such disruption were disclosed by the Johnson impeachment and the narrow escape from legislative omnipotence in that trial should lead us to say, as Voltaire said of God, if judicial review did not exist, it would have to have been invented. Well, anyway, these subpoenas, these investigations, where they're headed, this is judicial, this is, excuse me, legislative tyranny. Oversight hearings are fine. There's no problem. I mean, that's what Congress needs to do for legislative purposes. That's not this. This is an abuse of power. This is a use of government resources, our taxes for opposition research, an attempt to lay the foundation for impeachment, to bring articles of impeachment, likely for political purposes, uh, to try and destroy the president's character and reputation for the reelection. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. time you know sometimes I think I should have been a disc jockey but I can't remember the names of the songs or the groups so that's that's kind of a problem sometimes I want to be a sportscaster but I'm not liberal enough I don't think like this Max uh, what is his name Kellerman my man Stephen A's got to deal with that guy every damn morning no offense and he gets louder and louder this guy the more wrong he is anyway where am I Mr. Producer? Oh, yes. Now, I thought Republicans stood for free markets. So why are Senators Rick Scott and Josh Hawley joining Bernie Sanders in introducing socialist price control legislation for drugs? Now, we have to have a solution for the high cost of drugs. You know what it's called? Competition. Transparency. But I warned you that the Democrats will use this issue to impose European-style medicine as a solution. What I don't understand is why Republicans Scott and Hawley are helping them. Do you? Now, in Europe and everywhere else that has price controls, pharmaceutical investments have dried up. Now, what does that mean? No new cutting-edge drugs? Shortages? The United States has remained the world leader in biopharmaceutical research precisely because we don't have price controls. Now, if we'd gone along with Europe in dictating price controls on drugs... Millions of Americans would not have had access to drugs that helped them live healthier, longer, and productive lives. Because those drugs wouldn't exist. And what exists wouldn't be available. Imposing price controls now will mean lost access to today's wonder drugs and lost hope for tomorrow's breakthrough treatment for some of these really horrible diseases and illnesses. Is this what Senator Scott and Hawley want? We can't let that happen, which is why I've been speaking out. Get the facts. Get the facts. Go to TrueHealthCareFacts.com. TrueHealthCareFacts.com. It's been a hell of a week, folks. I want to thank you for, uh, for being here every day and in the last several weeks. I really believe that there are tens of millions of us, and if we stand together, this great 
national town hall meeting that we have every evening, that we're going to be okay. That this army of of patriots, of liberty-loving patriots, we talk to our families and our co-workers and our friends and, and our neighbors, we can make a difference. We will overcome CNN and MSNBC and the New York Times and the Washington Post. Because what's going on now is diabolical. Ladies and gentlemen, in honor of you, in honor of this country.
10 p.m. Eastern, Sunday night, Life, Liberty, and Levin. That's our meeting place, folks. Also, don't forget, go on Amazon.com now or this weekend. Get your 40% discounted copy of Unfreedom of the Press. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, and all law enforcement. Good night, Spritey, Griffey, Pepsi, Smokey, Zelda, and Gigi. And good night, Mom and Dad. And God bless you all. I'll see you on Monday. Be safe.